It's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, the podcast. A part of my identity is being an adoptee, being separated at birth from my original family and placed into foster care for two years before being adopted has significantly impacted how I see my place in the world. After connecting with the adoption community over a decade ago, I recognized the added value adoptees bring to a conversation about adoption. I hope this will be your best year ever of discovery, growth, and self-care. This episode is in celebration of reaching a goal of mine. I said it nearly two years ago of reaching 100 episodes by scheduling an audio drama, recorded conversations with adoptees, or adoptee allies, and after each season, bonus recordings. Season 7 is rapidly approaching, and I'm excited about that too. It was my honor to ask the guests back on from Season 3, Episode 45, to celebrate this occasion. She is not only a fellow adoptee, but she is a phenomenal woman who I'm proud to call my friend. Her name is Tina. She led the way of my podcast on January 4th, 2022, and it is my privilege that she returns for the first episode of 2023, towards the end of my season six. A bit of backstory of how I met Tina. In 2018, when I traveled to San Francisco to meet Haley Rackey, the host of Adoptees On, and Anne Hepron, the author of You Don't Look Adopted, and other adoptees, Tina was a new face to me at the time in the group, and unfortunately, we only had a brief time together. Fast forward to being back home in Nashville, Tennessee, after being in California, I received an email from Tina. She expressed disappointment in missing the opportunity in San Francisco to recognize me as the author of my memoir. I truly appreciated her reaching out to me. That's who she is in the world. She wants to connect and make people feel seen. Our friendship would flourish and blossom beyond my wildest dreams during 2021 and 2022. We entered 2023 knowing the immeasurable value of finding at least one other adoptee in our community who truly gets us in ways no one else does. Our brains are wired alike, and some might think, oh, what a shame. I invite you to listen to our first episode together a year ago if you haven't already done so. During that time, she suggested that my audience might get to know me better if she were to ask questions, and she became a host with me as her guest. I accepted her invitation, and we recorded two bonus episodes together that have been well-received by many listeners at the end of season four and five. Allow me to introduce to you for the first or fourth time an extraordinary person who happens to be an adoptee. She is kind, giving, intelligent, insightful, and often the peacemaker of any group of people she happens to share company. I treasure our friendship that I can't often put into words. I've been a witness to her exceptional growth through the months and years to help herself and without a doubt be a support to so many other adoptees. In an attempt to better understand these things called relinquishment slash adoption. It is our hope for this brand new year 
through this conversation that we created specifically with a certain listener in mind, that you will be inspired, uplifted, and edified in your journey. We believe that you will discover a path towards personal healing in the many ways that might best serve you by gazing on the past year with a beautiful aim for this new one. Tina, I am so delighted to have this conversation with you today, and I appreciate you saying yes upon my invitation to come back and be a guest. Thank you, Jennifer. I yeah, I remember I had said, if you invite me, I'll come, and I was like, darn it, she did. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and you were host to me twice, so this is actually mm-hmm. like your fourth time being one, but I wanted you to to come back as a guest again to help me celebrate this hundredth episode. And when I set this goal, yeah, when I set this goal, like March of 2021, it was somewhat ambitious. I I knew that talking to Damon Davis, Mm -hmm. he assured me of that. Yet I felt from the things that I had read that it was doable. And so Mm -hmm. here we are, and this is Aaron. Here we are. (laughs) I feel like, should I say happy birthday? Like, what do you say? A hundred episodes. That's pretty, that's incredible. Wow. I'm I'm actually pretty excited about it. And um, I couldn't think of really anyone else but you to, to, to be here with me on this day. Because this is airing, it should air the first Tuesday of 2023. And and just a little backstory for the listeners. Tina was my guest for the first time in January of 2022. And so okay. she was like the first person for the new year. And so when, you know, I was kind of reflecting on where I am now, because, you know, we're talking almost two years in March. Mm-hmm. and And I thought... That's not a coincidence, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's not happenstance. And for you to be on here now, it just means everything to me. Oh well, wow. I mean, I I'm here with you. I I think about you know even when we recorded before that particular recording was actually right months before that, and so there, it is kind of a two year looking back almost of all that's happened and all the many conversations and. Everybody that has said yes to conversations with you has, I can assume, just saying from my own experience, has had a major impact. And so I, I'm inviting anyone who's listened to you, has already talked to you, hopes to talk with you and share their story to reach out to you and just whether it's um, a congratulations or thank you for having this space, you put so much time, effort, and heart, and respect into each person's story. You know, it's not just a click and done. Like, I know um, very little about the editing and all that you do that nobody knows about, right, that really pours in to representing the person in a way that allows them this safe space to say whatever they're going to say, however much or however little. And the impact of that out in the world, Um, you know, like we've talked about, we just don't know 
the person that's going to find episode 101 and it's their first experience of where have where has this been like where have these people been <laughs> how did i not know right. you know and so i mean 100 episodes congratulations on reaching the goal that you set for yourself and the greater impact is so much more far-reaching and long-standing than you and i will ever know thank you yeah we did talk about that very thing you just shared. And and if a guest feels like that they're not good enough and wonder, mm-hmm. like, who wants to hear from me or mm-hmm. hear my words, please know these three words, that you are enough. And I have mm-hmm. said many times towards the end of 2022 that I don't know who needs to hear your story. On behalf of Bonnie, my inner child, I am. I invite everyone listening, if you haven't been a guest, or even if you want to return, mm-hmm. you know, you are more than welcome. And we can claim or reclaim our happiness with each other, adoptee to adoptee. I think that's your quote. I wrote that in my notes. Oh. <laughs> it's something on those lines. But, okay. You know, what I most admire about you, Tina, though, is that you do share such valuable resources uh, with me that you have benefited from or you think that I'll find mm. useful. It has always been great to like get an email with a link from you to watch something or check something out. And sometimes it's just fun stuff like um, TikTok videos <laughs> and you're, you're sharing it. You're not like hoarding it. <laughs> so this is what happens to me and probably people that are that understand trauma in the brain could speak to it really well. But so what happens is I'll send somebody something because I thought of them in the moment and I'll think oh, I'll send it because if I don't, like I'll forget about it. Or if I mean to talk to them about it later, I'll forget. So I know this about myself. So then I'll send it off and it could be like sending someone a text or a link and then they might say something about it to me. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I did send you. Like I forget. It leaves me. And I'm on to the next thing. Right. Um, so that's what happens. <laughs> well, I know. But I'm glad it resonated if it, if it, it was something that I said. Yeah, it often does. I just, I'm mm. just like glad you shared it with me. And then I sometimes am able to share it as well. And I think that, like, that's something very powerful that adoptees, I, I know, often do. We, we kind of look out for each other in that way. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think you possess that quality of reaching out, period. Because we did meet in 2018 in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. once I got back home, I get this email from you saying, hey, wait a minute, I have your book. And I remember thinking, <laughs> first of all, she has my book. That was really nice of you to get it. And then to let me know you got it. Because, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of times people don't necessarily reach back out. You know, they just move on to something else. But I just know you are thoughtful in that way. And I appreciate that. Mm. Well, I guess I need to like thank my mother in this. So she was the generation that if something um, was given to you or like you sit down and write a thank you note, like you, you make a point to let them know. And so I think that part of that generation, I think was instilled in me where we don't do that as much anymore. Like, I don't even know that my kids knew how to address an envelope. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But our communication has changed. But for me, 
um, I think it is important to let somebody know, hey, that what you said or what you wrote or this picture, like it resonated and it, it was important. And I've heard that in, especially in adoptee spaces, like we can not, not that we need a thank you or we need, you know, that, but there's nothing wrong with some encouragement here and there. Like it's, it's really important and you just never know when that is going to meet them in their day or in the moment. And many times I've heard like, oh, that was the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. And there's no way, right, that we could know that. But the lack of doing it all together is um, unfortunate because it could have had some kind of effect, whether they respond about it or not, or whether it even resonates. It might be something that they visit later or able to, uh, that they can pass it on to somebody else. Um, yeah, and well, I think that's, yeah. I thank you for that. And I too, I was brought up, You did you get the thank you written yet? Because it needs <laughs> to be mailed. And yeah, like that was a thing. And I even right. had my son do that when he was really little, but somehow, yeah, we kind of moved away from that. Yeah, it's nice to get a thank you, which brings mm-hmm. me to a point I really want to talk about is okay. is being able, like learning to be able to take or accept a thank you. Do you have any um, words about that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I'm currently doing is I'm in a boundaries class that meets at 630 in the morning every Sunday with Anne Heffron and with Dr. Joyce McGuire Pavo. And one of the classes was about compliments, receiving compliments, giving compliments. And it it is a thing, like just within our small group, which is, it's all adoptees that I struggle with, I've always struggled with. And I think there's many layers to it, being seen, people recognizing. I take it almost like as a, I want to deflect it and I get really embarrassed by it. And that's just my reaction. I know that's not the intention of the other person. And this is assuming they, that it's a true compliment and not kind of a, there can be a sarcasm or there could be a, other intentions behind sometimes of what we say to other people. So I'm assuming it's coming from a good place. And at the same time, I'm changing the subject as fast as I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen your your improvement in that area I have so yeah I think that's great and I too have gotten better at saying thank you yeah Mm -hmm. it's pretty Mm -hmm. important I think I've practiced too with and this is what can happen in these adoptive spaces is practicing it like using my own voice or responding in a way that I can take out into the whole world, right, into my everyday life to say, oh, thank you for saying that. That's so nice. Or however normal people respond when someone um, points out something that they appreciate about them instead of making excuses of why, oh, that wasn't, I didn't do that. Somebody else did it or somebody else did more work than me. Like these things that can happen where um, I can practice saying, oh, thank you. And like eye contact, like all of that stuff. And it's like, I'm 55 years old, right? And this is like, I'm still learning uh, to be myself and be comfortable in my own skin. And, and also, like, if I feel like if I say proud, like, I feel like that's bragging. Like, it's just this whole thing in my system of, like, I'm, I'm nothing special, right? Like, I'm just this person that 
has lived this experience. So I think that also brings up what we had talked about. I want to say like maybe mentoring or I have felt like there's an education of me. And so this past two, you know, year that reflecting, but then even further within the two year that you and I have really been labeling our education and our experiences and defining different things for each other in our conversations that when I go back to when I did DNA, so now we're going back five years, I feel like there is this freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year of this last few years for me. And I'm talking about recognizing I didn't have language and words and understanding explanation for my experience as a younger person. So for me to ask a question, I didn't know how to articulate it. Like I didn't know what these feelings meant and my aloneness in that I think it's just me. Like I just don't fit and that's normal for me. So all of these nuances of being in the family that I was in and then ultimately the family that I have now um, married with our four adult kids, trying to do better for myself so that I can be better for them. And so the understanding of like, I'm embarrassed like to look back at the last year. And I think I had mentioned to you, like, I don't want to list like how many hours I've spent talking to adoptees <laughs> or what, how many podcasts and books. And I'm still like asking these questions. Like I still don't understand adoption and the effects that it has, but I'm better. I think at talking about it. And I'm also comfortable sitting with other people in their experience, whether it's their, I mean, so, like what I'm saying is their freshman year mm-hmm. or Maybe they've even like their fifth year seniors. Like we don't graduate. There's no ceremony that says, yay, like you're done. You don't need to go to any more meetings. You don't need to have any more support. Like you get to, you get to be separate from this. I think that this is um, like going to the gym for me, which I don't, but I'm just saying exercise. This is like a muscle for me. If I'm not with um, adoptees, and having these conversations and helping them validate and normalize how I move in the world, I fall back into the person that doesn't speak up, that doesn't talk, that um, you know pours out my emotion and my feelings for other people to support them at the sacrifice of also acknowledging that this is painful and difficult for me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know when we were talking about freshman, sophomore, and then you could think you're going to your junior status and then you're back as a freshman again. That's what I felt like reviewing this past year because it was so many things that um, happened for me that clearly I was back as a freshman. and, (laughs) And it wasn't a bad thing. I didn't feel like I was demoted or anything, but I realized that this process is so much bigger than that. It's, like you say, it's not about graduating or arriving. Mm-hmm. It's right. just a continual uh, growth process, and and I welcome it. I and mean, whether we're talking about the Enneagram that I just discovered in 2022, or mm-hmm. um, some of the virtual groups that I hadn't been attending and started attending um and then like collaborations with other adoptees that was like really exciting Mm -hmm. you know and then professional therapy and and learning the work of Paul Sunderland 
and Dr. Mm. Gabor Mate like that. Yes. That has been huge this past year. What about you? Well, yes. Yeah, so when you talk about the collaboration, so I can speak to that like from a listener perspective. I feel like there's this friendship that we have virtually. I mean, you and I have, but then other podcasts that I listen to that I think they probably get this. They probably feel like they have thousands of friends because we feel like we know the person that's the podcaster. And so when I hear two podcasters collaborate, I feel like, oh, my friends are getting together. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And then so I really I like that. So keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. And then just the idea that I got to meet three adoptees in person, having met them through the Adoptee Voices writing group was just like, mm-hmm. like, that's still like, I, I can't even believe that happened in one year. <laughs> right, right. And I celebrated, you know, virtually when I see pictures of um, adoptees that I know, and I think it was through the Adoptee Voices group going to conference together. Like I was so excited. Like it made me so happy to see these faces together that we had that were little square computer faces, you know, right? um, and adoptive voices. Like I celebrated with you, even though I wasn't, you know, with them. It's like, it just brought me joy. And you met Julian, didn't you? Yeah, in person. Yeah. So, and I ended up writing about that. You know, I kind of went through my, um, my notebook. So when I write, I write, Um, in a notebook, and then sometimes I transfer it to the computer. It just helps me to have the pen in my hand, and I feel like it is kind of a free-flow therapy. And I had actually, like, dog-eared. I didn't plan on reading anything, but... um, I know when that that whole meeting, when it was in progress, like, like it was about to happen... Mm-hmm. I was so excited. You know, Julian Warshio <laughs> Colette has been in all the Adoptive Voices cohorts, and you have as well. Maybe not this last one that just ended yesterday, but I mean, that was eight cohorts. And, yes. and just and the anticipation of you two being in the same room together, I was like so excited for you, you both. Yes. So he um, happened to be somewhat close to me proximity-wise. And so I wrote about it. So I'm just going to read like the first sentence to what I said. Yesterday, I received a message. Hi, this is ridiculously short notice, but I am in town wondering if you'd like to meet up for coffee. What do you think? I replied, you are ridiculous. (laughs) And so am I. Call me. (laughs) And we had the best time. So he was close by with his wife and they were going to kind of divide and conquer that day. I think she had something and, and my husband happened to be out of town and, you know, I felt like I knew him, right. I heard parts of his story that we share things in that adoptive voices space that a lot of our close friends and family are not aware of, um, you know, this deep conversations that we bring out in our writing of our experiences. And so he felt very much like a sibling to me. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we had this great conversation and we talked about um, one of the things he said to me was I listened to your conversation with Jennifer and I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> that that tells me a lot. So it's like, you, you know, even more about me like that's not fair. So and I asked him, hey, would you ever 
um, have a conversation. He said, well, you know, I'm really thinking about it. And but if I did, right, it probably would be with Jennifer. And then he goes on to to come and talk with you. So, yeah, there's this whole community. Like, it just warms my heart. Yes, that was such an honor. Like, that was probably one of the biggest compliments I could get for Julian to say yes mm. um, to the podcast. I, I Yeah, I'll be thanking him forever because his powerful pieces yes. have um, helped so many other adoptees put words to how they felt all their life. And um, Absolutely. And I think, you know, it kind of comes up in the moment as I have this memory, too, of um, his voice. Like, he has a very unique, distinctive voice. So when he would read, like, if, if everybody had their camera off and we didn't know who was reading, I would know the moment Julian started Right, me too. Right? Yeah. But him hearing feedback in that, I think many times we cannot like the sound of our own voice or are not really sure of how it comes across. And there's a comforting, like there's a sibling, like a safe brother sound in his voice where I think people can listen to and feel like they're in good company. And that can also be prohibitive of people coming on a podcast saying, well, I don't like the sound of my voice. Like I'm I annoy myself when I hear myself, right? Mm -hmm. And we can also, um, I guess, let others experience how they hear our voice. Good point. And the the silencing of ourselves, like I've done that to myself, right? I've silenced myself so many times and edited um, who I am because I didn't want to make other people uncomfortable. Mm. And so when I hear other adoptees share, especially read to me, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to curl up and please just read what you have to say. Like, I I soak it in. And so for all the people that are that are still not quite there, like, it's a not yet. Like, we get to share as much or as little in what form is comfortable to us. Thank you and for sharing could, that. Yeah. What's coming up for me in this very moment about what you just said, and you said that beautifully, is that a person, a guest, can read pieces, they can read poetry. I mean, it does not have to be a set way. Um, I'm very Mm -hmm. open to the fact that there are many ways to express ourselves um, Mm -hmm. as adoptees, and people understand and receive our message. So, yeah, I, mm-hmm. in fact, I'm planning to do an episode or maybe do one before this airs uh, where poetry is being read by adoptees. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, that's all it is, like their favorite poets, you know, mm-hmm. and the pieces or poems that have inspired them through the years or helped them when they were in a difficult place, because I I really want as much as possible to inspire, encourage, and uplift a listener, um, Mm -hmm. because we never know what a person is going through when they hear the sound of our voice. So I, uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, it's just not yet. And it does not have to be a specific format. You know, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be where you you're sharing your story, especially maybe the painful parts of it. I mean, you Mm -hmm. you can choose to be a part of this platform in a way that works for you. Right. Right. So, I mean, I can share personally from my own 
experience that's something that Adoptee Voices has helped me manage and work through is, um, you know, how I write. So I, I like to write with a pen in my hand, like I've shared, but my computer has the ability to do an audio back to me. So there was something about my words being read back to me that I could receive it and hear it differently mm. as a listener and not the writer. And right. so sometimes when I step away from what I've written, I I will go back, like I kick myself because a lot of my stuff, it's in sequence, but it's not dated. And I'm like, I really need to date this stuff because it's not, like I can look at pictures in my camera and it's like time stamped, right? And I, I can relate it to what was going on and, and why I took that picture and how it, what it meant to me. Mm-hmm. But that hearing it in my own voice as a listener, sometimes that separation of time, I've heard writers say, well, yeah, my book that came out, it actually took me 10 years to write it, right? Like right. we have these stories that, I don't know, can someone write their whole story in a year and it comes and gets published? I, I'm sure it's probably happened, but this whole process is such a long drawn out process. And for me, it's been excruciatingly slow, maybe for a lot of people in my life to to be like, just be you. Like, where have you been? Like, you are this person that we love and we want more of that. And then there's also been the representation of just you need to be who I need you to be at the expense of yourself. So for me to be able to sit back and hear my words as a listener and not a writer has also been cathartic for me. I could imagine people that are not used to or comfortable with their own voice if they're writers and having someone else read their piece back to them and be able to experience it in that way. Because I think there's a shift. There's just these these shifts and growths that keep happening that continue for me. And so... For me um, too. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I know I'm not alone in this. No, you're not. You've got good company. (laughs) But again, like when you say Bonnie, I feel like, yes, this, <laughs> this younger person that we get to, you know, honor and also acknowledge, right, that there's all these things that happened and we get to, we get to still pour into Bonnie. Yes. Well, you do. I get to pour into my younger self too and be really proud of her because if I'm not proud of myself right now in this moment, I'm saying I wasn't proud of her she's special. She should have been treasured and protected and, and been uh, prioritized. Yeah. Well said. So as we reflect on the past year, 2022, um, I know that uh, just so many things have happened Mm -hmm. in my life um, that were really big. I had a maternal birth family reunion in the summer, which is amazing mm-hmm. in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And and I have, I guess, been really sitting with that experience to like get mm-hmm. to know more people in my birth family and then process all these things that come along with it. Like what kind of relationship are we really going to have going forward? Or was it just a a really great weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've really been sitting with that. Have you been sitting with anything in your personal life as it relates to reunion? So I'm going to speak more like a present day, but it does pull me back to the work because the work that I've done has enabled me to show up better, I hope, 
for the most part in my relationships that are newer, fresher, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the wound is still, um, we need to, I need to still tend the wound of not just myself, but other people. So I think most recently what I did is I invited a biological family member to a Zoom meeting and I haven't done that. Like I hadn't even shared our conversation with them because I feel like that's also something I do in community is when someone is, um, if I'm able to message them, I might send them our conversation. And I feel like that's my contribution of you're not alone. And this is my effort to kind of tell my own story. And here's a little bit more about me in that. And I hadn't shared that with this um, family member. And typically when you do something in the world, you might tell like people that are important to you, like, hey, you know, listen to, you know, my music, or this is a picture, or I have an art show, or, you know, whatever that would be. Like, I got a promotion, there's a party. And what I was tending to do was not share these things that could be in some somewhat celebrated or at least acknowledged. Right. And so for me to say, hey, will you listen to this? And would you come? So I feel like it's this growth in me that no matter what the answer is, so if we invite other family members and it's a, a no, it can feel like rejection, even though, right, it could be the timing wasn't good or things are going on and they're just not able to. But for me, acknowledging that it's in the asking, it's so important for me to communicate that I'm inviting and including. Mm-hmm. And whatever your answer is, I can respect it. It might feel like a little bit of a rejection in my body just because of the weight of the question. Um, but I can understand and move forward in that, okay, well, I'll ask you again, you know, or something else. We're going to continue to hopefully move forward and, and have different ways that we can connect and grow our relationship. I'm and also- so glad you said that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are you proud of me? <laughs> I am so proud of you because you know what? I, I'm sitting here thinking now that I didn't invite anyone at the family reunion to take a listen to my podcast. Not one. And I'm wondering, was it... I didn't think they'd want to be bothered or they're not going to listen or reject me in some way or, or make me feel like I am experiencing a rejection of, of this this work I do. Mm. And I like how you say it's the most important thing is to extend the invitation. They do with it whatever, you know, if they listen, they listen, they don't, but I'm giving them an opportunity to get to know me better. Cause that's basically mm-hmm. one way I've had plenty of people to tell me that um, new adoptees mm-hmm. or adoptees I've met recently have, have actually said, I can get to know you better through listening to the podcast. And I thought you sure can, <laughs> but what, right. yeah, what is it that prevents me from wanting to invite in reunion, those family members to get to know me better? Right. Oh, that's so good. Because I, I mean, I could wear that as well. I think that's a lot of maybe for myself protection of people that I have trusted in the past that weren't really good. They weren't trustworthy. They didn't have my best interests when I thought they did and staying in in friendships that I was not being true to myself and that I've been doing better. I believe I've been doing better with that, that it's allowed me to have more purposeful and meaningful uh, ways of spending my time with people. 
And so for this particular family member, it it's taken us further down the road now. And so for them to know that I'm doing this and then for them to come back with what they came back with. So that kind of brings me up to like in anticipation of you and I having this conversation, I reached out to some people that have been along for this ride with me to, you know, for the most part, not like every detail and every high and every low and all the in-betweens, but, you know, a general understanding because I was seeking their advice. I also was curious about what they thought about adoption and if they could, um, you know, let me know. And, and so some people responded, some people didn't, some people were adoptees in that, some people weren't, some people were biological family members. And what I was getting um, was different replies from their experience that families like foster families are so needed and there's a lack of support. And so me really trying to be the like a conduit of conversation, I think, in that and, and also knowing the work that I need to do and what I was going to say today, like I feel this responsibility of of knowing more than I know, but then also having people say, wow, you know what? I'm really proud of you and what you've done and and how you share what you know. And that's like, I didn't ask for your, like, I didn't ask for compliments. I was asking for your advice, <laughs> but me going, oh, okay. But I really appreciated hearing that, that because guess what? I care deeply about what they think or I wouldn't have ask their advice right, right? like right. It, it matters to me but then it's coming from this biological person who i'm like oh my gosh am i craving that i'm proud of you right there's part of me knowing i'm where it's never going to come from right mm. that we have this foundation in the world that grows us from very little and typically right it's the parents and that's where we learn all the firsts and so for me now, realizing, well, I'm, I'm probably not going to get some things that would be nice to have in conversation and an experience from these particular people. But there are other people there saying, well, what about me? Like, I can, I would love to walk with you, or I would love to make mistakes with you, or I would love to fight with you, like whatever. Mm -hmm, right, right. Right? <laughs> it is so complicated and layered and our lived experiences and when we're trying to make honest connections with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was so glad when you shared with me that you were doing that, asking um, various people in your life, what do they think? Mm -hmm. I, I thought about my aunt Juanita, who you, you know, I yes. talk with every week, sometimes for hours. <laughs> I asked her, yeah, do you have any questions? If you were in a room, with some of the guests that have been on the podcast, does anything come up for you? And this is what she said, and it almost made me cry. She says, I have come to learn. She said, I can't speak for anybody that's not been on your podcast that are adopted, but adoptees are achievers, they're go-getters, and they make the best of things. They make the best mm -hmm. out of two worlds. Ooh, yeah. thank you, Aunt Juanita. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was just so moved mm -hmm. by that. Um, yeah. She's a faithful listener. I don't think she's missed an episode. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm glad I asked her that. 
I've heard her say that in so many words um, through the, the months and and throughout the year. Uh, but it was something about the way it landed today. And maybe because I knew I would be talking to you and, and hopefully um, the listeners will come away inspired like that. I just remember thinking those are beautiful words. And, and, mm-hmm. and I, I do believe we're extraordinary people. And when she said, make the best of two worlds, I immediately thought, of our two worlds, um, particularly in reunion. So that, that's what my dear Juanita had to share Mm. for this episode. Well, very wise and very well said. (laughs) And, you know, I have aunts in my own life that they hold a special place in my heart for what the conversations we've been able to have. And, and I hope for many more uh, years, of family connection with them because they do hold a family history key for me that, you know, sometimes, and I'm thinking of two in particular that they'll say, well, I don't, I don't know that I know what anything that can help you. Right. And it's what they don't realize is they know everything. So for me to ask, especially through the holidays, I'm realizing recipes, right? Getting together with family and what that means. And I, just the simple thing of like a a recipe legacy, you know, I didn't have a biological grandmother that was culturally connected to me that maybe would have taught me how to make something or there would have been smells that I, that would be familiar to me now. And I have had this complex experience with food in that I know what I like, but what I was given growing up, it didn't, it didn't match me. And I was fed and nourished and well taken care of. But I realized when I was able to prepare and serve my own food for myself, that it wasn't foods that what I was brought up and I wasn't preferring that. Right. And so just even the recipe legacy came up for me and asking a family member, what what do you remember eating or what did your mother make? Right. Or what did their, like, there's this whole like mind blowing thing of just that, of what that would mean. And that now I can incorporate that. Like it's never too late for me to incorporate something in my own family, in my own life. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I remember when you were first talking to me about that and I thought, yeah, cause my maternal side is from Louisiana. It's pretty known fact that, uh, some of the best cuisine comes out of that place in the country. And mm-hmm. and when I learned a little bit about my, my maternal grandmother being this amazing cook and and thinking, oh, I would love to have some, like, recipes. Like, I would mm-hmm. love to, because I feel like that's a part of my culture, the, what she did, you know, when she relocated to Chicago and was making the same dishes she grew up making. I would like mm-hmm. to know about that. And one particular vegetable, okra, is my all, like my favorite. I put it in as mm-hmm. many things as I can. And now I know where that comes from because at the mm-hmm. family reunion, I was told that that's just like a part of of a meal. Wow. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think what, you know, what came up for me too was the foods that we would have we would have tasted, right, being in the womb. 
everything passes through the child. So different, you know, different spices. I remember with my first child, I had eaten too much um, garlic. (laughs) And I just remember going, okay, that doesn't just like go away. Like there's certain things that stay with you. Right. And so um, the foods, like what was my biological mother craving when she was pregnant? Like, and is there something in the preferences that I have now that there's a connection? Oh, that's perfectly stated. It's like your body remembers. You may Mm -hmm. not recall, but but the body remembers. Yeah. Before we go into looking ahead to 2023, which it's, it's here. Happy New Year, right, everybody. <laughs> Even though we're recording this in Dece- the end of December or mid-December. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, before we look ahead to this year, I guess, what do you think has prepared you from the, I guess, last year? Wow. So, so many things come to mind. And one thing I, I think I do want to mention is, you know, we are recording in December. And so it can mean so many things. So me, as someone who says, like, I'm a Christian person. So Christmas means, right, the birth of Jesus to me. It's Jesus' birthday. We've celebrated it in the family I was raised in and the family I have now. And I really love, like, how April Dinwiddie does she breaks down her podcast in months and honors like what's happening in that month. And so for me, Christmas is a celebration. It's also an acknowledgement and recognition of some loss for me. So my adoptive father died days before Christmas. Um, It's been over 10 years. And um, so I miss him. You know, I continue to miss him. I will always love him. And I cherish the memories. And what I found out in connecting to my biological family is that my biological father died days before Christmas. Mm. Um, But it would have been, I think I would have been about 13. So, you know, we talk like your aunt had mentioned these dual lives, these separate, um, she said it way better, but I I would have had two worlds. Mm -hmm. I would have had these parallel experiences of losing a father no matter what. And so now in December, I kind of honor losing two fathers this month. So it's the both and of adoption, mm-hmm. right? right. It's, right. I can still laugh and enjoy family. In fact, family is more precious to me, right? Because there has been so much loss being together and and the expression of how I feel about them. And like, I'm proud of my kids and I love them just because of who they are. So it's not what they do or how they show up or how they look or what how they present. I just love them just for being who they are. And so so getting to your question about I think what's coming up for me. So you and I both are excited to look forward to the Untangling Our Roots Summit. And I think what's enabled me to look at that and be able to look forward to that is that in October, September, October, it's been a few months, I went on my first retreat, adoptee retreat, and that was with Anne Heffron and Pam Cordona were the facilitators. And so it was with seven other adoptees that I'm still keeping in touch with. It was an incredible experience. But that also drew from all the hours I spent with adoptees 
and whether it was in podcast form, whether it was in book form, whether it was in a Zoom room, hearing them, seeing their face, that each step of me saying, okay, this is what I can do has led me to the other. And so at the beginning of the year, when I was barely, you know, sure that I could have a conversation with you and and offer something out into the world that people could hopefully um, sit there with me in it to say, oh, I'm going to go to conference, right? And, it, and <laughs> not, it's like, no, that's not going to, not doing it. Right. <laughs> you and a whole bunch but, of adoptees have said that. Yeah. And so, uh, but then there, I know there's people that hit the ground running, right? They do their DNA and they have this discovery and they're jumping in with both feet. And for me, I am, I'm just going to own that I'm a slow learner. Like I need time to process it. It takes me a while. That fits me. That suits me. So what I was able to do is when I did show up for a conference, I really felt like I was in with both feet. It wasn't that far from where I lived. And so my idea, right, was like, well, I'll just commute. Like that is the most like economical, like responsible thing to do. Other adoptees were saying, you know, I'm just going to ask that if you can stay closer and be more closer to the experience instead of coming back. I know I wanted to leave and sleep in my own bed and all of that. That mm-hmm. makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. And what I realized is that was really good advice that if you are able to step out and into some place that it makes you nervous and scared and that really just try and do your best. And so for me, the idea that I did stay closer and so I was able to go to meals and things that happened outside of that time that we spent in the retreat phase was so meaningful and purposeful and valuable. Yeah. That it expanded the experience that I didn't even realize, right? Right, right. Yeah, I was so happy for you to go and to stay um, mm-hmm. on site. Uh, I think having gone to several conferences, as you know, and I'm going to just say it, I've told you, and I, I'll just be public, I was naive. That's mm-hmm. what it was back in 2011, which was my first conference in in Orlando, I I just didn't think about, am I going to be overwhelmed? Is this going to be a, like, what am I really getting into? Um, It turned out to be over this decade or so, one of the best decisions I I did make, being better connected to the community sooner rather than later for me was definitely a benefit. And you said this the other day, I loved what you said, as adoptees, We have our own pace, right? Mm -hmm. And we can choose to walk or run without pushing one another. I think it's kind of how you put that. And and I think my pace was running, but maybe it would have been okay to walk, right? So I think it is Mm -hmm. important to kind of check in with yourself, which we're going to talk a little bit about Mm self-care. Because that's my, my goal for 2023 is first check in with myself and what is my pace? What do I want it to be? Mm-hmm. And what choices will I make because of that? I think the conferences are a great opportunity, first of all, to meet people that maybe in the last couple of years, you've just gotten to know better through Zoom, you know, or virtual spaces. Yes. But to be able to really be in the same room and and you cannot anticipate what beautiful thing might happen just sitting across from another adoptee um, that you've met there. And there's, you know, there's a vulnerability and a trust 
that, you know, it's risky behavior for adoptees, right? To go into a room right. to say really personal things and to be able to trust the listener. And I, I mean, I have felt that I think one of the things that if I'm looking back over the, the past year as well is now I'm going into spaces where I somewhat can recognize people, you know, that I can, um, there's an overlap. And I think, you know, you and I are an example, right? We kept kind of running into each other in different ways and, <laughs> and spaces. And so something grew from that, right? right? And so now I am able to go into a Zoom room and I can recognize a few people. I don't know. I mean, I don't know a lot of what people have done. Like they could be an author and I'm unaware of that, but I do know a certain part of their story that they've told. And so there is a certain comfort, I think, as I'm coming in. And I remember being new in that space and people kind of cross-talking saying hello and how was the conference and me going oh my gosh all these people know each other like I'm just walking in the room and I don't know anybody I don't know who they are and what they've done and they all seem to be really comfortable with each other and that was just me that wasn't anybody else trying to not make me feel welcome and so now I'm realizing I'm coming in now when I'm coming in that there is this recognition but then there's also a newness um, of experience for myself and a lot of people saying this is my first time here. And so I love that we can continue to show up together, learn from each other and journey on and that none of us have cracked the code on this is this is how you do it and this is going to be the best outcome. We can kind of just keep giving our lived experience and sharing what we know. So recently like this week i was on a call and someone had talked about kind of what you're saying that pace the fast tracking of something that maybe pushes you into something that really makes you question everything right it could be a picture it could be something somebody said i think for most people right now it's dna testing that you know there's reasons people take the test and there could be a complete intersection of the experience and so people that learn, right, that my parent wasn't my parent, or that what I've been told isn't true for me, but I have believed this. And so there is this kind of catastrophic, like, um, I don't know, this implosion of, okay, now what? And once the debris settles, like, what does this mean for me? And who am I? And where am I? And how has this happened? And so you know, like spitting into a tube is a fast tracking of sorts many times when it's we least expect it. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to find out what my percentage of this is. Like, what could, what's the problem with that? And I think if you get those tests and you really read the fine print cautionary, you know, if be aware that this could happen, none of us read that because for the most part, we don't think it pertains to us. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> We don't read the signage like we don't take we don't heed the warning because it doesn't apply to me. Mm -hmm. I think from that conversation that I just was having this week was, you know, there's this fast track that maybe we can find out things sooner. Like maybe people are coming to this awareness and questioning and confidence earlier because of DNA testing. However, there's the emotional impact that we still need to play catch up with. Just because we find out something maybe in our 20s that a lot of us found out maybe in our 40s, 50s, and I've even heard people say like in their 70s saying this is the first time I'm talking about any of this. 
sure. that there is there is an emotional human catch up that we each need to own for ourselves in a safe, supportive way. I really like how you put that. And I think that is the definition, or at least part of the definition of self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Can you identify ways you are going to be intentional about self-care in 2023? So I think one thing I do that is not, it's not a big deal, but I try and make a, a point to walk. Like we have a dog, right? So I'll go, my husband and I, we try and connect that way too. And we'll, we'll schedule that usually, hopefully daily, but there is kind of that getting out and away outside. Um, sometimes I'll take pictures. Sometimes I'll have a conversation. And that might be, that's been some times where I've called some biological people and been able to walk and talk with them as if they were with me, right? So that is important to me. I think I'm going to dig into some recipes. I think I want to try and make some experiment and make some things that would feel more like family and that I can share too. I think I want to do that. And then that sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, I wish we could cook together. That would be really yeah, fun. Share. I would love to have an okra recipe and see. Yeah, you, know, you got to share your share something it. with me. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, you make, so that I, you like. Yeah. So that comes to mind. I have books, Jennifer. I'm so embarrassed. I have books that I have had for months that I have not been able to get to. That I do too. Was, right. So there's the ongoing that, but that also also something I look forward to. Like I'll see a book that it's like, I need to finish these other books before I pick that one up. Mm-hmm. But then I look forward to that. Like you just wait, book, I'll be there. <laughs> like I'm, I, I can't wait, right, to spend time um, reading. And then also writing. So I did a different writing group this past would have been the cohort with adoptee writers, but I kind of took a break and I signed up for one that was out of San Francisco called the Writer's Grotto. And uh, Susan Ida was the facilitator Mm. and she's also an adoptee. And so it was, um, I forget the title of it, but it was kind of like writing of kinship and something. And so now that I'm saying that, so I get really careful and guarded about when I'm sharing about who's in the Zoom room, because many times it's confidential. Right. And so I am going to say that I ran into someone in that class unexpectedly that also was a part of Adoptee Voices that I have crossed paths with. Oh, and, wow. and it was like, it was like this delightful surprise of, oh my goodness, like, what are you doing here? Great to see you. Right. And it was a small, intimate group. Right. So, um, so that kind of gave me just a different experience. And part of that too, was also using my brave because Adoptive Voices is my safe place. Like I still want to continue. And at the same time, it was important for me to also stretch and move in other directions with other people because there's still this part of me that it's like, yeah, but my adoptee voices group, and I say my, right? Like they're part of it. But it's also like they have to be nice to me. They have to say nice things about me, right? Because <laughs> so there's still this part of me that's like, what if I, what if I'm really not? What if I'm really not a writer, right? What so that's just me, yeah, trying to be in other places going towards things that I enjoy, which is writing, it's really helpful for me. And that is definitely part of my self-care, being able to get it out on the page, whether I share it or not, uh, Mm -hmm. acknowledge the experience, and then also go back in times and read. And I learn from myself of seeing uh, my writing as a reader. 
and not the one that has written it. Yeah. That brings yeah, up. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> that brings up for me, first of all, when you said you ran into someone that was from Adoptive Voices, I remember going to an Adoption Network Cleveland virtual meeting, just kind of like, oh, I have this new computer now that's not giving me any trouble and I can just get jump right on there because I haven't been in a meeting in a while. And when I saw you there, I was like, see, this is great because we hadn't even talked about it. And just to see you there, it was a, a pleasant surprise. And it also reminded me that how many more times that I that I may jump on something and see somebody else, you know, that I haven't seen in a while or mm-hmm. like I have another pleasant surprise. So I remember just like that's important for me to do other things or do things that I haven't done in a while. I agree with you. And right. I, I, I think for 2023, what I am looking forward to when it comes to self-care is learning more about Dr. Gabor Mate's work. Um, mm-hmm. I've just been just really blown away. He just came out with, I think, his fourth book, The Myth of Normal, which I oh. intend to devour. Um, mm-hmm. It's like about 8,000 pages, and no, I'm just kidding, but it's a really <laughs> thick book. And I just see myself just taking my time, going back to pace um, with some of the things that he's talking about, which relate to trauma. And he likes to use the word wound that Mm -hmm. we in life as human beings suffer from time to time Mm -hmm. and being aware of it in our bodies because the mind and body are not, I mean, they work together. They clearly work together. And Mm -hmm. um and medicine does not necessarily, you know, a physician might not necessarily tell us that. They may not, upon an appointment, say, well, what happened to you when you were two years old or mm-hmm. when you were born? They're, you know, they're treating these symptoms or asking us about kind of the here and now. But he makes it really clear that it's connected to more than the here and now and yeah, to right. be aware of it and to identify it. So I'm really looking forward to to learning more about his work immediately because I've been learning more about him over the last two weeks when he says there's no such thing as vicarious trauma. I spent my whole career, like 27 years, reading about it, them teaching that to us. He says there's either trauma or no trauma. And, mm-hmm. and I, in that moment, it was like a sudden influential moment for me because I, I agree. So all these mm-hmm. these stories that um, we listen to, traumatic incidents that people have, there's nothing vicarious about it. Um, right. And as I continue with the podcast and look forward to meeting many more adoptees and, and hearing their stories, I am now aware that, um, right. yeah, that I have to be intentional about the self-care. Yes. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not going to take that lightly. Um, It's different from police work for sure. Uh, But uh, a wound can, it can cause you a problem if you, if you don't address it. (laughs) So, yeah, that's been uppermost in my mind, but I'm excited Mm -hmm. about the new year because I, I like to walk. I have a dog too, and I do the woods as many listeners, if they Heard me say it enough. Early in the morning, I'm out there um, because mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with my mental health. 
Um, mm-hmm. I know that it's, um, I think there are things that we can do that are so helpful and we don't even realize the degree necessarily. Like having a dog, we were talking the other day, my dog's been with me eight years. I've always had mm-hmm. dogs in my life, um, mm-hmm. but I know that she's such a healing factor day yes. in and day out, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. so our our dog is fourteen, and she still gets mistaken for a puppy on the trail <laughs> sometimes because she's so well behaved, and it's like, no, she's got years of experience. Right. <laughs> she's a beautiful dog. She's beautiful. It's so true. You know, she's a pet therapist. <laughs> right. Exactly, a pet therapist. <laughs> so yeah, I I look forward to taking care of myself. You know, mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally and, of course, yes. physically. Yes. It's so valuable. Like, it makes sense, right, when we say it and to really be intentional about it. Um, one of the things I didn't mention, too, that just came to mind is, like, my spiritual well-being, right? That that I I do... I do recognize and acknowledge that I don't have all the answers, that I don't know. But where I go, right, to find my foundation and my peace is really important to me. And so one of the things I had tried to do this past you know, year was I was trying to look for a study that was going to kind of speak to, to that and the adoption uh, component. And there really was nothing. In fact, I wasn't surprised that it's very adoptive narrative. Like I have found that in my personal experience in the church and what I've read and what's available. And so that kind of did put me on a path of some books of well, this is the only representation and it's an attempt, like there's pros and cons. So I did do a study that Amanda, um, gosh, am I going to get her name wrong? Medina of this adoptee mm-hmm. life. That's yeah. Yes. Yeah. But she actually was facilitating. And so we agreed in the group that we were just going to kind of stumble through because this was the best study that was offered by an adoptee. And so we were able to kind of work through it together and kind of and finished it and went on to like we still would like to continue with something else. And so I have been hearing other adoptees say, well, I'm working on I think there was specifically one that is working on some kind of a 40 day devotional. And I'm so sorry, I can't think of the name right in the moment, but recognizing in myself that there is this need and I would like to meet it. And there's there's attempts, but there's nothing that kind of helps me see adoption as there's this difference, right? There's this adoption that is told in the Christian realm, that is you can be adopted into the family of God, that is of God. And then there's this projection of adoption in humans that is not the same. It's just not. Mm-hmm. And so there is this blurriness for me in you know what does god mean and represent and how do humans really many times get it wrong and so and i'm kind of the at the crossroads of that in that my adoption i'm going totally off on this tangent but my adoption was a catholic charities facilitated and so there has always been this confusion in me that i couldn't articulate of but wait why did the church separate Right. right. And how come how can we say, aren't you grateful? Aren't you, isn't it wonderful? Like it was always confused me, but it didn't make me 
care about God less, mm-hmm. right? I, I still had this respect, this love, but there was this the confusion in the language and how people, I think, told me how I should be and how I should feel and all the shoulds. Mm-hmm. And so now for me, um, looking for you know, evidence, whether it's a book or whether it's in conversation of lived experience of what does adoption mean? And I think that was something I had asked in advice from um, people coming into this call. And I think for the people closest to me, like my husband, you know, family members that have said, well, maybe you were the only adoptee that I knew, right? Like maybe you're the only experience that I know of. And I can say, I think about it differently now because of the conversations we've been able to have and and they've been able to kind of experience some things with me to say, you know, I don't know that I really understand it, but I think about it differently than I did. And to me, I'm like, okay, that's a big deal. Like there's the shift of they're thinking about it differently. And that's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to understand what I can't even understand for myself. I'm just asking, can we have a conversation about it? And can can we come to an understanding that more questions need to be asked and for adoptees that more needs to be answered for them, for us. That was so good. What is happening? <laughs> oh my goodness. So, I'm glad you so, shared all of that. I really am. So since I'm, since I'm still in my train of thought, that okay. takes me to, I did go to the AKA Adoption Knowledge Affiliates Conference. Oh, and wow. so there so one of the breakout rooms was on, and here's another book that I'm not going to remember, remember the name of it, but something that I kind of put on my list. And I believe it was a a person in the church. So whether they're a pastor, I believe, and then partnered with Gail Swift on what the church, I'm not getting this right, but loosely, it's what the church can do or focus on. I could look it up and and send it to you. Yeah, but I can put it in the me. show notes. Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. and here's the thing is it was, they were talking about it. I haven't read it. So I'm not saying I'm recommending it because I haven't read it. That's the only reason, like I can't really speak on it. But what I'm saying is because of all the rooms that I'm in and the conversations I'm around, there are questions being asked from people who were raised in families of faith, adopted into, right, under the guidance of that Adoption's this beautiful, wonderful, loving mm-hmm. uh, environment. And how come now those same children, adults, are no longer recognizing faith in their lives? Mm. Like, how does that happen? Right. And I don't have the answer, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, people are talking about this. I'm looking for studies that resonate with me that also show evidence of something like me, and I'm not finding it. And so... So I'm still I want I want to still be curious about it and it's not and un, it's not unraveling my faith but I think you I can get stronger in my faith if I'm asking these hard questions and if I'm able to have conversations with people about it because that's how I think we do have those aha moments or we discover our faith or we find our faith or we we understand why we move in the world how we how we do mm-hmm. and so it's it's important to me and and so, you know, I've felt in 
other spaces to say, well, if it matters to you, it matters. And so I get to say that to myself too. Like, I don't, like, I don't understand this stuff. It's still super confusing to me, but I guess what? I'm still showing up in groups and trying to talk about it because it still matters to me. It just does. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's important because it sounds like a contradiction going on when, right. when, the, when the church yeah, it's been a part of so, facilitated so many adoptions. First of all, I'm thinking, why would the two be mixed together? You know, like I I would think the church, if anything, would be hands off of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, I'm hearing you say that as a detective. So if you're asking that question, right, then it's a valid question. <laughs> <laughs> so isn't there a conflict of interest, right? And exactly. I, I could recognize. I could recognize that as a child. I just couldn't articulate it. In order to move forward, I think there is also a going back in in history of why did that happen and why was it allowed to happen for so long? And it can also spill into, I think right now, with what's going on with ICWA, the Indian Child Welfare Act. Why were kids being separated and why was that an answer at the time that was acceptable until they were able to establish, we need to be asking more questions around this mm-hmm. to keep family preservation yeah. as the priority. You would think the church would be all about family preservation. They were also very much involved in, I think, under the umbrella of saving, right? Helping them understand who God is, right? Maybe the thought was in a good intention, but the the acting out and what ha- resulted from that was yeah. separation, right? Was conf- wasn't representative, I think, of when you, to me, what God is in my life is an unconditional supportive love. Mm-hmm. And so how does it go from this to that? Like, how did we get here? How did we get here? Yes. And how does... How did how did adoption maybe mean this and then it meant that and now it means this and now we say open adoption and it's like guess what open adoption is not a solution either there's still problems yeah. in that and and to me the simple um, I think kindergarten explanation is because people are still people and we still get jealous and we still get our feelings hurt and you can give us all the rules and even the science of why. And as people, we're still going to have human problems because we're not perfect. No, we're not perfect. We were just talking before we started recording about being imperfect, imperfections. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I, right. I definitely want to honor your time because we can go mm-hmm. on. We talk for hours sometimes <laughs> okay. if people You're really gonna, knew. You get to edit it. It's like, I'm done. You get to edit <laughs> You get to edit it all down and and make me um, not sound like I'm a crazy person. Oh, you're not a crazy person. If you are, then I know I am. So I just. Well, I'm in good company. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you being crazy with me. (laughs) Yeah. So for the listening audience, is there anything that we want to leave that we haven't said with them for Mm -hmm. this new year, this first episode in 2023 that I thank you Mm -hmm. so much for being on and celebrating this, what I'll call uh, meeting my goal with 100 episodes. 
Wow. And I mean, what a privilege, like I just celebrate with you, but that's such a huge goal to make and to reach it and be able to just sit with you in 100 and how special that's been. So congratulations. And I, I hope that people hear your invitation, however, wherever they are in their experience, because yes. each of us has something to offer. And being more in community with each other helps, I think, build the confidence of recognizing that and realizing that and sharing um, what you know. And for me, even right now, like with my family, all my family, is that I just want to spend time with you. I want to make mistakes together. I want to forgive each other. Like I want to laugh together. So there is this invitation of, I'm not asking for uh, the perfect answers. Can you just be uh, safely curious with me? Mm. You know? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I second that. If there's someone listening and you're kind of on the fence about, well, I don't, I don't know, what, what would I say? Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> What's going to get you off the fence? And it might be Jennifer or just, we're just, Jennifer and I are just going to hand you a, some water. Like we're just here right. with you, like whatever side of the fence you feel that you're on. Yeah, I would hope that you and I talking, that it's an encouragement that somebody takes something away. I do too, yeah. Helps shift, helps shift something for them. And I, and I feel the, the desire to say this, because I often get asked, well, what do I do? What happens? What's next? So I really mm-hmm. believe in fellowship. So I don't just say what date is good for you, what time, and call you up and push record. I don't do that. I um, am clear on wanting fellowship over a recording for this podcast. So mm-hmm. a lot of guests I, I meet in the virtual spaces or are referred to me or they they call me up or email me. Um, expressing interest. It doesn't, it just doesn't matter as long as we can talk by phone more than one time, if need be, to get to know one mm-hmm. another or to right. um, meet up in virtual spaces. And, you know, I get to know you a little bit and you get to know me. And then we come up with a date. Now, some people are very comfortable with, I'm thinking of a particular guest. I asked her and she said, yeah, okay, this date and this time is perfect for me. And that was it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I do like fellowship very much. Well, I remember asking you if you knew, and of course you did, a percentage of people that told their story for the most part for the first time with you. I would Sorry, say, <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I remember you asking me this before. I'm going to say out of or even like very early on i feel like there's there was some people that have been like multiple experiences of sharing on a podcast or in different ways but i think there's been some people that have trusted you very early on in their um True. voicing their experience and i i think that speaks a lot and i think it also speaks to that you do lay a foundation for helping them to be comfortable yeah. and really you know, helping, like holding their hand along the way. I'm glad you brought that up because I would say out of a hundred, probably 10, 10 or 15, Mm -hmm. which I think is a, is a big number because Mm -hmm. yeah, I was trusted for the first time. And, and that means a lot to me. 
because right. our stories are very fragile, our lived experiences, no matter what age. And it might be more than that. Um, you know, each time I'm mm -hmm. thinking of somebody else, but I know quite a few older adoptees who learned, like their late discovery adoptees that learned at 60 years old. They mm -hmm. had, of course, they had not shared with anybody because they didn't even know they were adopted. Right. You know, so I think that it's important for anyone that might be interested to just reach out to me. Please mm -hmm. feel free to reach out to me. And I do want to say this while it's on my mind. I have had what I would say too many adoptees say, well, I didn't write a book and I, ha I don't have a podcast and I don't like all these platforms that many adoptees right. are on or um, um, contributions they've made with their memoirs and mm -hmm. so forth, that that is not a prerequisite at all. Not I mean, I wouldn't be here if it was. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's ab like, I actually felt sad. For anyone right. to think that you need to be a published author. Like, no, not at all. And there are quite a few guests that haven't done a memoir yet. So I just don't want anyone to feel a lack of self-confidence. Because your story is like no other. That's the best mm -hmm. way I can put it. And I don't know who needs to hear it. Right. Right. But you are offering a space to do that and exactly. so I, I appreciate that I look forward to like I listen every every week so I look forward to hearing your voice <laughs> I can't think of anything else that we can leave can you yeah I think we've covered um I think for the most part yeah what I don't I mean I wasn't even sure what exactly I wanted to say I wanted to kind of let it happen naturally as it does when we get on the phone together. <laughs> yeah, you did a um, fantastic job. and Well, I hope people do reach out to you, and if things do come up and they have questions, that they will ask you. Um, Absolutely. Right. And nine times out of ten, if, you, if you're moving about um, in the adoption community on in virtual spaces, you've, you're going to see Tina, no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> and we hope that you are able to make the Untangling Our Roots um, yeah. Summit in March, the end of March. I'm, I'm really excited to be able to spend that time with you. And there's several other adoptees I have met uh, online that I will get mm -hmm. to meet for the first time in person. I'm thinking of um, Emma Stevens right now and Lorraine. Mm -hmm. That is just going to be so cool. <laughs> I know. I just can't. I mean, I can't even like go there really in my mind yet. So my husband's coming like it's a whole it's a big deal for me. Like I, I feel like I'm going to be so overwhelmed by seeing people like obviously I know they're real. Right. But right. to see them in person and will we um, be able to connect or is it Zoom? Is it um, I was going to say Zoom room? Is it room like breakout room to breakout room? Because I I really want to be present for all that's being offered that I can learn from. So, yeah, so that's going to be huge for me. Like, I just can't even, it's so big for me to even uh, know what that experience is going to be like. Oh, and I can't leave out Nomi. I get to meet Nomi. She's going to mm. be there. And she and I talk regularly. I know you and I talked about kind of like conference behavior we'll say I'll call it that I don't oh, know okay 
And and I was sharing with you that the conferences that I have attended for years and I hadn't really been to one in a long time before NAP in 2021. I'm thinking like from 2011 through 2017, we'll say. Mm-hmm. I took ownership of self-care for sure. So mm-hmm. that means if I signed up for a particular workshop, because they, you know, give you a list, just like the um, untangling has done for us, and you're to select. And, and so I would select, you know, based on where I was when I made the reservations or when I mm-hmm. signed up. And then when when I got there, you know, I would meet different people. And if they were going to this session over here, this workshop, and I wanted to, to hang out with them or we wanted to hang out together, then I would just go to this workshop I hadn't signed up for. So mm-hmm. I never received any pushback. I was always made to feel like do what's best for you because I, okay. I it's not like school, right? It's not like class and you got to mm-hmm. be here at, at this particular class that you signed up for or else it's nothing. It was nothing like that from my okay. experience. And so I... I think that sometimes people don't know that if it's their first time going to a conference on of this scale. I did appreciate you saying that to you know when we talked about it too, because I was imagining um, being to class on time <laughs> where you sit in the classroom. Like it is this uh, throws me back to school kind right. of all over again. So you're telling me that you'll cut class with me is what I'm hearing. I, you say. I certainly will. <laughs> Yeah. And if we're late, we'll just, you know, apologize if we ran over somewhere else, you know, with another adoptee or somebody else we got to talk to that. Like, I just really think it's important to know that it's it is about your pace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's about your pace. There would be times uh, in the past where it just got to be too much in a support group, Mm -hmm. you know, like in. And and it, you're not offending anybody. I think everybody's aware that everybody's in their own place and, and we're all in okay. different places as we process all of this information. And sometimes it's a ton of it. Right. Yeah. And you might have to give yourself space. I think it's great that your husband is going with you because you will have um, someone to unpack things with you know someone that's known you for a long time Mm -hmm. and yeah like that I I'm really glad to know that part well I think it's an you know a growth opportunity for both of us but you know when I went on retreat I did make a point that I went by myself right I stayed by myself so there is the acknowledgement the recognition of what what feels right for you for some people maybe it will help them to go if they have a support person Right, right or maybe Maybe they need the experience to go. And I saw there was a listing on finding roommates, you know, for if, for cost effectiveness, too. So there's different options that if it's something that you're really curious about and that you shore up your support for around it, it's going to be a, an experience that I know is going to be changing and shifting for me, but it's also going to allow me to go further, right, once I get back home and process and incorporate what I've learned because that's what each thing has done. Each book has done, each conversation has done that. It's led me a little bit further at my own pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm so glad to know you, Tina. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> so glad I to call you, friend. <laughs> right? Like how? How did we get here, Jennifer? Oh, how did this goodness. all happen? <laughs> I just totally embrace it, and I I thank God. Thank, mm. thank you so much for coming back and again and again and again. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Yeah>. thank you. <laughs> it just 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 so the listeners know, it just lined up. I just thought, oh, I, I'm close to a hundred and. This is wonderful. I met my goal. And then I was looking at when it would be scheduled, right? Is mm-hmm. the first episode of the new year. I'm like, what are the chances? Of, like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it gives me chills yeah. because what are the chances of you being the first episode in 2022 in the hundredth episode, which I am so proud of. Um, mm, you should be because it's it wasn't easy it it just really no. wasn't you've mentioned this earlier right. when we first started recording I'm a one-person team I do everything <laughs> mm-hmm. and I don't mind but it's it's work it's a lot of work right. so yeah what are the chances for the hundredth episode to be the the first one of the new year and I'm like mm-hmm. Tina Tina has to has to come back. So thank you again. That's I say all that to say thank you again. It's so nice for me to hear you acknowledge yourself, right, of the work and the effort and the passion that you put into this. And, you know, you have said, well, you know, I'm retired. I have time. But this is really also a full-time job that you have and probably even more so. Like you probably spend more than a full-time job on this, the podcast and uh, creating it and getting it to air yeah so it also inspires me right for that you know i show up places but there's an allowance for me to kind of have this uh, as a full-time i wouldn't say job you know but a full-time i immerse myself full-time in this so when i'm scheduling meetings and and going to conferences you know i do treat it as a priority because i can like i not everybody can and so when i'm sharing a link or a clip with someone I'm acknowledging like not every like it overlaps with people's work schedules with their personal life and they're just they would like to be in the room but they just can't be mm-hmm. because because of you know life and the world's a busy place so because I kind of had that uh, have had the opportunity of the time allowance it's to me a privilege to be able to say oh you know I'm going to send you this or have you read this book or have you watched this um, it resonated with me and I've heard you speak about this right. or even have the time to thank someone. You know, I think that we can be so busy that we appreciate things, but we don't ever communicate to the person or people or, you know, that, you know, that it meant something. Yeah. And so, um, so when one person does, I would almost say, let it represent all the people who didn't as well. They just didn't have a chance or time or the opportunity to let you know. Yeah. So I'm, I don't want to speak for other people, but I'm speaking for more than myself when I say what you have done and what you have accomplished in a hundred, like I, is the goal 200, you know, I don't know what, what that goal is for you. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea, (laughs) but I, I just want to say that I am so glad you do what you do. Um, I know you do have the opportunity to attend many more things and see things that get by me. And it just means so much to me when you pass it on. So keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the more we connect, right, the smaller the world gets. And so in, within the adoption community, there's so many things that 
can be helpful to each other that we don't realize. And so that's part of, I think, what that's part of our why, I think, for both you and I. Fantastic. <laughs> Tina and I often have deep conversations that have a lasting impression on the both of us. We do more than a fair share of introspection in the hopes of being progressive human beings. We recognize that it's not about arriving to a destination. It's all about the journey and the process. That perspective allows me to get better at not being attached to a certain outcome. We accept that we are imperfect beings and extend grace to ourselves and others. Last year's growth was inevitable because we were intentional. That's not meant to sound arrogant. I truly trust that it doesn't. I think the attitude of being deliberate and an honest desire to be better today than yesterday and better tomorrow than today led to specific actions of participation in the community. It's true that Tina and I both had the luxury of time to attend online meetings, chat often with other adoptees, experience in-person groups, and seriously write that you might not have had at your disposal. At the same time, we invite you to ask this question, what can I do in the midst of it all? It may surprise you with what answers come up. Thank you, Tina, for saying yes to another conversation with me. I find myself wondering at times if I ask too much of you. It is then in my head that you assure me that it is in the asking that I give you a gift, no matter your answer, which, by the way, has never been no so far. You give a gift right back to me, whatever your answer, because you offer authenticity. I appreciate you so much and treasure our relationship for all the joy it brings me. Now, to everyone, go discover new people, places, and things. Grow in awareness and take great care of yourself in 2023. You deserve it. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, we hope that you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash adopteeland. Your contribution allows a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community. Thank you for being here.